Hey, would you do me a huge favor? Please welcome all of those who are joining us live online right now. And then even louder for the group that we, the brothers and sisters that we get to partner with at Eunice Correctional Facility. You guys, we love you. We're honored to be a part of your lives. And uh, I just believe, man, there are 10,000 people in Eunice. And, and we've been kind of averaging, hovering around uh, approximately 10,000 people in Eunice. We've been kind of hovering around 400 on Sundays. We had a great Easter Sunday um, where that exploded and then kind of came back down the, the very next week for whatever reason that that happens. But man, the way I see it is just that, that we have 9,600 people that I'm actually their pastor and they just don't know it yet. <laughs> Okay, And so if you're online and you know somebody, if you don't have a church home or if you know somebody that doesn't have a church home, then make sure that you're taking the time to invite them to church. Invite them to be a part of the journey. Invite them to be a part of your life. Okay, I love being invited to places. I love that. Um, sometimes I have more invitations than I'm able to make, but that doesn't mean I don't want you to invite me. Go ahead, invite me, especially if you've cooked or if you've purchased food from somewhere. Love to do that. But listen, I don't want to be the only person that gets invited to people's houses for dinner. I want you to invite other people on purpose and just have them over. Invite them to come into your life, to be a part of your life. Because the more people that we do life with, the more people that we partner with and minister to, then the more ministry is going to be done. And that is how God actually builds his kingdom. The third step of next steps is directly after service today. This is where we have all of our leaders and, and our elders and board members come in and, and they get to meet all the people that went through the first two steps. But another thing that we do is if you're a newcomer, um, if, you, if today's your first day or you've been coming here for a few weeks now and uh, we haven't really gotten to meet you or we haven't completely connected to you, if you just started coming here not very long ago or today's your first day, we want to invite you to come eat lunch with us after service today. Now, if you've been coming here for a long time, don't come back there. I'm going to run you off, okay? <laughs> But if you're new here, uh, if you know somebody that's new here, listen, if you want to catch them and, and make sure that they have a place to eat lunch, come and eat with us after second service. I have a quick favor to ask of you for serve day. Actually, two. One is pray for us. Pray for us. Um, when you send out crews into a community, good things, great things can happen. But then there's always that propensity for the enemy to try to to make a, a worse thing happen or, or, or an accident or an injury. And I just believe in the power of prayer. So pray for us that we would be covered, that we would have no accidents or injuries, no mishaps or complications, that everything would go smoothly. And then uh, we have a good problem. We have more people then we have projects in some areas, okay? We had a lot of people sign up to do yard work, but we don't have a lot of yards, okay? And so I know if, okay, look, here's how serve day works, okay? I know you're all going, oh, come do my yard, brother. I'll let you do mine. Okay, hang on a minute. That's not the point, okay? The purpose of serve day is that we as a church go out and take care of the yards of people who cannot take care of them for themselves, 
that they don't already own a lawnmower or have access to those things. And we come in and surprise them and just bless them that day. And we want nothing in return. And so if you know of a neighborhood, like if you're in a neighborhood or an area, um, if there's somebody there that you think, man, we could come in and clean up their yard and that would really bless them that day, This is an outreach, okay? It's not for our church to be even more ministered to necessarily. It's for our church to go and do some ministry for somebody else. So join us on Serve Day if you know somebody. And then next Sunday, man, we're going to have a a big baptismal service, uh, hopefully outside. Isn't it just a beautiful spring day today, man? This weather, just beautiful, cold and wet spring April day but hey at least we're in Louisiana and not Minnesota shout out to you Luke Andrews Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 we're in a series called the invitation and the message title for today is called follow me you can see that on your on your bulletin it's turned sideways we just wanted you to have to flip it um, the, the illustration there was if you're going to read it, you have to turn it. Like on occasion, there will be a little bit of responsibility on your part <laughs> to do something. To follow Jesus, you may have to turn uh, just a little bit. And so that's on the front of your bulletin. That is the invitation, okay? The invitation is to follow me. But the event that happens when you accept the invitation, the results of taking Jesus up on his offer to follow him is Romans chapter 6, verse 4. For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now, now we also may live new lives. Those are the results of accepting the invitation. Now this morning, I've got a lot of scripture Okay? And we're going to go through this quickly, but I want to show you some descriptive details in the life of one of Jesus' closest followers, one of the most popular disciples. We're going to walk down this journey as he began to accept the invitation to follow Jesus. We're going to look at some of the good things that he did, some of the not so good things that he did. If you don't want to try to keep up with the scripture, that's fine. Just write them down. Some of you, you know, you Bible types, you students of the word of God, you're like, it's about time that brother gets some depth. Okay, you better come on Wednesday night because I slow down on Wednesday. So before you fuss me for my lack of depth on Sunday, I need to see you on Wednesday. Just saying. Okay. And the second thing, some of you are like, oh, yeah, Bible. We're going to dig in. Some of you are like, oh, yay. A lot of scripture. So glad I came today. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he, he being Jesus, had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Okay? So here's what happened. Jesus comes up. He borrows a boat. He goes out about 50 yards from the shore. And they're all standing on the bank, and he uses the shore as his, or the boat as his pulpit. 
And he gives this incredible word that came straight from God himself because he was God incarnate, right? And they listen to this message and then he comes back to the bank and after he had finished speaking, he says to Simon Peter, okay, now that you listen to that message, I want you to go do something. Peter's like, all right, watch what he does. Get in your boat, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse five, master, Simon Peter replied, We worked hard all last night. We didn't catch anything. Can't you see this happen? Like, we go to Sunday, right? And we hear this great message sometimes. Um, We hear this this inspirational word of God. And 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 then we end the service like, okay, now go. Ye therefore. You're like, Sunday afternoon, son. Nap time. Like, I worked hard all week and then I come to church and you're going to ask me to do something. This is what Peter's doing. He just listened to this great sermon, this great message. And then Jesus like, okay, I'm glad you listened. Now go do something. I want you to do something. Peter's like, ah, we worked hard all night last night. We didn't catch anything. But I love this. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Verse 6. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. They shouted for help. Hey, we got too many fish. That has never happened to me. I have never been on the lake catching so many fish that I started hollering at other people to come help me. (laughs) I start, we hide our fish. We don't call for help. We're like, catching anything? Nope. Nope. Just killing time. Peter's got so many fish, he doesn't know what to do. And he calls for help. They all come over. They they soon fill both boats full of fish so much to the fact that they are sinking. Come on, somebody. I want a duck hunt like that. Like, I just want to be in the boat with so many ducks. And my I'm like, I'm going to drown. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm about to sink right now. Verse 8. When Simon Peter, watched this word, realized what had happened. Simon Peter had a moment where he realized this is more than just a message. There's more to this than just another story, just another sermon. There's more to this than just some symbolic acts of service. He realized, he had a moment that something had happened and he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. I want you to notice right here in verse 8 that this is the first personal encounter that Simon Peter has with the Son of God. Not just Jesus. Not just another man. But the Son of God. Verse 9 He was so awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were all so amazed. Jesus replied to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They accepted the invitation. The New King James Version says they forsook all and followed him. This is actually the first time that we see this 
This message, this invitation, this passage, it's not a place where Jesus prayed a prayer with anybody. It's not even really a place where Jesus performed a miracle. He performed a healing. He performed a miracle, an act of God to reveal himself and show that he was God incarnate. But he doesn't ever just perform a miracle or a healing for the sake of the miracle or the healing. He always has an objective. And the objective is to reveal himself so that he can be followed. So he says, follow me. Um, If you look, there's just a little bit more insight. In Matthew chapter 4 is kind of a a parallel passage here to Luke chapter 5. Verse 19 says, Jesus called out to them, come, come, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. What a great story, right? What a great testimony. When someone realizes that Jesus is the Son of God, they repent of their sins, they forsake all, and they follow Him. That's why we exist. Meet people, grow closer to God together. It's why, it's why we went into full-time vocational ministry. We thought, man, this is what we want to do with our lives. We want to see people forsake all and follow Him. Awesome. So this is what they do. Simon Peter... James and John, everybody in the boat, sons of Zebedee, in fact, they become the sons of thunder. They're right there. They're ready to roll. And for three years, they follow Jesus. They forsake all for three years. Now, I make a promise today that if you will forsake all and follow Jesus, don't just come on Sundays, don't just come on Wednesdays, but get plugged into everything that we have to offer throughout the year. Serve day, festivals, outreaches, health fair, send your students to your kids to camp. You come to revivals. You come to everything that we have to offer. Next steps, get water baptized, get plugged in all the way. And I guarantee you, one year from today, you will be thankful thankful and you will never be the same nor will be your family but these guys served for three years followed Jesus for three years and then all of a sudden in Matthew chapter 26 Jesus brings them all together for the last supper and they receive the last supper together and and you know what happens there where, where he breaks the bread and says this is my body he pours the drink this is a this is my blood and and I will not drink of this drink until we sit at the table together in heaven or in my kingdom etc cetera, etc cetera. and then they get up from there and they start walking to the mount of olives and then Matthew 26 verse 31 picks up in this story on the way to the mount of olives Jesus told them tonight all of you will desert me. Wait, Hank, what? I don't know if you remember the boat thing. I know it's kind of three years and like a lot of thousands of people ago. Um, but we said we was going to forsake it all. And then we followed you like, ain't seen my girl in like three and a half years. Like this isn't a joke. We just... We just drank your blood. Not really, but because of the thing that you said. We're, we're in it, man. Now, Jesus says, I'm telling you tonight, every single one of you are going to desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Verse 32, but after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. All right, so looking at this story in hindsight, 
We ought to see, and they should have seen. But I'm not going to give the disciples a hard time because I may have to answer them whenever I get up there. Like, hey, you think those are... I heard all them sermons you preached. Come here. <laughs> just an example. Paul said in Timothy that all the scripture was inspired. I was just doing what the Holy Spirit said. Take it up with him. He's right there. Go talk to him. Get you some over there. I will strike you, but after I've been raised from the dead, man, I would be, okay. If you read this story and you know what's going to happen in retrospect, you would think, okay, I'm not going to deny Jesus. I'm just going to go to Galilee and wait. If they would have left that moment, like, okay, we've been following you for three years. You're going to do all this stuff and then raise yourself from the dead and meet us in Galilee. Sounds good. I'm going to Galilee. <laughs> That's where I'm ahead right now. But they didn't do that. They weren't really listening to what he said because they had a way already made up in their mind. You ever been following Jesus? Come on, I got you. You ever been following Jesus and you knew that he had something for you and you kind of even heard what he was saying, but you'd really already kind of made up your own mind about what this was going to look like and what you were going to do in this? And so instead of really following him or really even hearing what he said, like when he said, I'm going to give my life and in three days I'm raise it up again and I'm going to come to Galilee and I'll meet you there. I, we should be like, I wouldn't have been like, but we should be, our thoughts should have been, okay, great. I'll go, I've, just, I've been doing this for three years. I'm going to go to Galilee. I'll wait three days. I'll see you there. Be all good. It's not what happened. Verse 33, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, Watch this. I will never. I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will actually deny that you even know me. Okay, well, well watch. You may be sitting there thinking, Pastor, I've never done that. Okay, wait. Every time that you hear what he says, and yet you say, I'm not doing that. That is automatically a place where you begin the process of denial. So Peter answers in verse 35, just hang on right here, because Peter says with exclamation, No! Not me. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Because they don't want Peter to show them up. They're like, yeah, me too. I'll do it too. You know, you've seen that kid. Like, hey, I'll go get it for you. You know, they, you just ask, well, let's say, Emery, would you go get me some... Uh, uh, I don't want to. Okay, fine. Gabriel, will you go get me a glass of water? Yeah, Daddy. I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. And that's what's happening right here. Okay? Same thing, except for with grown people, which is, hi, us. Verse 35. I'll just leave this up here for a little while, because I, I just, there's this place in, in Peter's relationship with Jesus where he's, he's just, he's emphatic. This, I may mess up, okay? Now you've heard. I may mess up, but if there's a place that I'm going to mess up, it will not be in this place. I will never mess 
this up. I will never do this again. I have followed you. I am repenting. I am forgiven and free. Come on, son. I'm a slave to righteousness and free from sin. I will never, I will never, if I mess, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make some mistakes because I'm human, but I will never do this ever again. I'm not just saying I'm not going to do something. I'm saying right here in this, I will never do this thing again. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in your entire life, maybe even in your walk with Jesus, have ever said, I will never do this. Hang on, put your hands down. I ain't even finished asking the question yet. I will never do this. And then you did it. Okay, you can raise your hand now. He's like, oh, look, 100% participation except from all the liars. Good for you. (laughs) Praise the Jesus. How about this? How about this? Not just, I will never do this. I will never mess that up. Okay. But I will never do this again. (laughs) Or again. But But then you did it. See, there's things that we say when we begin to follow Jesus, man, I will never do that. I will never do that. I can even, I've even looked at some other guys' lives and seen the things that they succumb to, and I thought, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> that never happens to me. But I know, I know that the human heart is deceitfully wicked, and I'm one bad decision from going down the same road that they're now destroyed by. So I don't say I will never, okay, do. And then at the same time, there's some things that I've said in my past. I, I am not going to do this again. Okay, do you remember when Simon Peter um, rebu- rebuked Jesus the first time? He had already done it. He had already rebuked Jesus. He had already rebuked Him. Remember when Jesus asked, when Jesus said... Uh, Jesus said, who do you say? I know who other people say that I am, but who do you say that I am? And then, they, and then uh, Simon Peter's the one that steps up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus says, wow, Simon Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you because you have gotten none of this right. Okay, there's some... You, you have never answered correctly, not one time in this whole thing following me. And now all of a sudden, you get the one most important answer correct. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Okay? Only the Father in heaven... <laughs> I'm with you too. I want to know what they're saying. I'm... All right, look, 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 back here, back here, look. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is like, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Only the Father in heaven could have let you give the right answer. 
Okay? And then Jesus goes on to share a story of what's going to happen to him. And Peter says, no, 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 no. You're not going to die that way. That's not going to happen to you. And then when Jesus had just finished celebrating Peter for having the right answer, now he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Dude, that's intense. Like, that's your boy. <laughs> like, like, I love, there's some people, Eric helps me out a lot in, in the church. I mean, he's kind of always answers the phone. Ed Smith, man, if I need something, like, Ed Smith's like my second stepdad. I'm telling you, man, I can call that brother. He may be under a house in the mud. Hello, pastor. What, what you, what's going on? Can I help you? Like, Ed, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just digging a hole. No big deal. No big deal. Underneath 8,000 pounds of cement right now, but what do you need? You know? <laughs> Simon Peter had given all the right answers, but then he, was, he refused. He refused. He, he even showed a little bit of a, a sign here. He refused to let Jesus do it his way completely. Okay? He'd already rebuked Jesus once and been corrected. Like, I, I love Ed Smith, and I'm thankful for him. But there's really, honestly, there's nothing that any of you guys could do, even if I didn't like you. There's nothing that you could do that I would call you Satan over. <laughs> like, that's an intense comment. That's an intense statement. And yet, that's what Jesus had to say to him to get him back in line. And so now, he, here he is. Again, Jesus is saying, you're going to do this. And Peter's like, no, 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 I'll never I'll never. Jesus is like, hey, bro, come here. You already did. <laughs> it's like, but that's us, right? We make these promises. Now watch. Matthew chapter 26, verse 50. They come to arrest Jesus. Judas is leading the pack. Okay? Now, it's not just a few men. Because when you read the scriptures in all of the gospels, you see in the context of this passage, it was Judas leading the Sanhedrin, leading a legion of Roman soldiers. Okay? So you're talking, or, or at least a send you're talking maybe seven, eight hundred, possibly even a thousand people coming to arrest Jesus in a garden. Like, that's where they are, the Mount of Olives. And so here they come, they're coming to arrest Jesus. Judas, Judas comes up to Jesus and does what's prophesied. He, whatever, man, like, dude, you kiss me, you're already out, bro. I'm like, I love, love you, but don't be trying to plant one on me in front of anybody, much less all these people. There's one less set of lips. Yeah, so anyways, verse 50, Jesus said to Judas, my friend, go ahead and do what you've come for. So Judas kisses him. He reveals, hey, this is him. And, and then they grab him. They grab Jesus. They arrest him. Verse 51, watch. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Now, here, it doesn't tell us which one that was, but in John chapter 18, the Bible tells us who the companion was. It says it was Simon Peter. So I want you to see this picture. Here comes Judas, and they're all going, I knew it was him. I knew it was him. He's had the money this whole time. Why didn't I get to keep the money? Jesus let him keep the money. Church is always about money. I knew it was anyways. Here he comes, the money man, come walking towards Jesus. And it's Judas that kisses. Peter's like, oh, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm, I'm about to make right on my promise. You can see Peter just warming up like he's just waiting for the opportunity, standing there wishing somebody would. And then Judas kisses him. And then the, the seven to 800 men that came with Judas, they grab Jesus. Jesus goes into hand, or they grab Jesus to arrest him. Peter's like, yeah. 
Jesus looks at him and says, hey, sheathe your sword. He picks up the ear of the servant and he puts it back on. And he walks away. And Peter's just standing there. Bloody sword. I told him I was going to. Has it ever not worked out the way that you thought it would? And, and you knew you were giving it your best. But even your best was not good enough. Because really, it was your best. It was your way, not his. And that's what happened to Peter in that moment. He realized that he, whatever reason, even though he was following Jesus, he wasn't really listening to Jesus. So Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, they lead Jesus away. They arrest him and they bring him into court. And they begin to interrogate him. They interrogate him to the point where Jesus finally gives them the confession that they're looking for. He confesses that he is the Son of God, that he will be lifted up, that he will be at the right hand of the Father. And then the Bible says that Caiaphas the priest, the high priest, rips his garments and they take Jesus away. Okay? So we're in the same chapter in Matthew chapter 26, but we're going to jump down to verse 69. This is after the interrogation. Okay? This is taking place in the courtyard of the Sanhedrin at Caiaphas' house. And here's where Peter sits. Verse 69, meanwhile, meanwhile what? Meanwhile, the interrogation of Jesus is going on on the inside. But Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Strike one. Verse 71, later, out by the gate, another servant girl. Listen, when the enemy has you where he wants you, he will always send the one, maybe even the least likely and expected to take you down. It won't be the person that you're expecting that comes. It will be, for Peter, it was a little servant girl. For you, who knows who it may be? It may be your closest confidant. It may be your most beloved family member. It may be somebody in the church that you never expected to be the one that the enemy would use to cause you to deny Jesus. But for whatever reason, right here, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, watch this, 72, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. Like he didn't just deny it. He didn't just do it. The thing that he said he would never do, he does it, and he makes an oath on it. Do you see the process of sin? No, 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 that wasn't me. Walk away. You do the one little thing that you said you would never do. Nobody really notices, so you walk away. Then it comes up again. You do the one little thing that you said you would never do, except for this time you're a little more emphatic about it. And then, verse 73, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, See, now he's not using a little girl anymore. 
He's not using the unexpected anymore. He's already got him to succumb to the unexpected. Now he's going to expose him in front of everybody because that's how he works. Verse 73, a little later come, all the bystanders come over. You must be one of them. (laughs) Kind of like you guys come to me. You're not from here. (laughs) You are not from here. We can tell by your North Louisiana accent. They can tell who he is. They were like, no, no, no. You've got to be with that guy because you don't sound like us. Now watch this. Verse 74, Peter swore. The King James Version actually says he began to curse and swear. This brother is cussing. He was following Jesus yesterday, ready to go to war as long as Jesus did it his way. But then the very next moment, he's not only denying Jesus, he's making oaths and swearing with cuss words. I don't blanking know the man. I'm blanking, telling blank, I mean, just going off in the altar the night before. And then the next day, going off, (laughs) just lost it. Cussing, yelling, denying, acting like he ain't never met Jesus before in his entire life. And then he swears, may a curse be on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crows. Verse 75, suddenly Jesus' words flash before Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me. And Peter remembers his promise, and he went away weeping bitterly. How many times have we started out eager and excited? Maybe it was Easter just a few weeks back. What a message! Woo! What a Sunday! Me and my house, we're going to get right with the Lord. I'm telling you, I'm not ever going back. I'm eager. I'm ready. Jesus has changed me. I realize that he is the Christ, the Son of God. We're going to clean this mess up, y'all. I'm telling you. But then for whatever reason, you begin to stumble. You were so eager about what what you had experienced in your life, you even set out to prove it. I'm tithing. I've been going to everything. I don't go to next steps. I set it up. I'm not getting baptized. I filled the tank, y'all. I'm not only eager, I'm going to prove I'm eager. I'm getting plugged into this thing. That's what was happening in verse 50. Peter made a promise. He had made a promise. I'm willing to die for you. As long as you do it the way that I want you to do it, I'm willing to die for you. And so when they arrested him, Peter, like, he's like, yeah, now's the time. And he does the thing I did earlier. I'm not doing it again. That was embarrassing. I don't want to watch that later. (laughs) But he proves it. Like, he proves his promise. That's why he cut the guy's ear off. Now, I don't know why he picked on a little servant boy. I think he should have aimed for Caiaphas. (laughs) The neck of Caiaphas, right? He's like... 
Well, this is the smallest dude over here. Oh, yeah, Micah, you about to get it. <laughs> he's not the smallest. He's just sitting down. He's right there. And so that's what Peter, he's, he's out to prove his promise, right? That's what happened in verse 50. I told you I will never do it. Oh, I'll fight 700 people by myself. About to take on hell with a water pistol. Y'all know me. I've been walking with Jesus. And then in verse 74, he proves Jesus right. By cussing and swearing. I never did it. I never knew the man. Jump back with me. In Luke chapter 5, it was just in your mind, you don't have to go there on the screen. Just in Luke chapter 5, Peter meets Jesus, and the Bible says that he realizes that he's the Son of God and he repents of his sin. He has a moment of brokenness. So just for all the old school types that think if you don't have a moment of brokenness, there's never a time where you can begin to follow Jesus. Peter had that. He had the brokenness. He shed the tears. But I'm telling you, tears don't represent the kingdom of God any more than chill bumps do, unless you're willing to stay on path with him. It doesn't matter how much you can put on a show or how little you don't. If you're not willing to follow him, then there's no substance to it. And so when it came right down to it, Peter's standing in front of a crowd of people and in front of everybody, the one thing that he said he wouldn't do, that he did, he proves Jesus right. He, he had realized that Jesus was the Son of God. Remember, he had forsaken all. He, like, brother left his boat there full of fish. Like, I love Jesus, but if I go fishing, catch a boat full, we're going to clean them first. Like, what, what you going to do with all these fish? Man, we got to eat tonight something. We're going to take these with us. I'm going to tie a rope around me. I'll pull it up. Let's go. Peter forsakes all of that. He, he leaves everything right there. He starts following Jesus. In Matthew 26, he's been following him for three years. He makes the promise, I'll never forsake you. And then in verse 50, he proves it. He proves it. He stands true to his word. But then in verse 70, he breaks the promise. And he proves Jesus right. I need, I, I got to figure this out. What happened between verse 50 and verse 70? What happened where, where Peter was willing to go to the grave with Jesus but then, in verse 50, but then all of a sudden in verse 70 through 74, he proves Jesus right. He denies that he ever even knew him. What happened? Something happened. Well, Verse 57, same chapter, Matthew 26, the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest. I told you this happened. This is where the teachers of religious law and the elders had gathered. Watch this. This is what happened. Verse 58, meanwhile, Peter followed him, but he did it at a distance. He came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all go. Instead of following Jesus all the way into the courtyard, instead of being right on his heels like he had been for the previous three years, Peter, for whatever reason, began to follow Jesus, but only at a distance. Friend, that's how this whole thing begins. When you get off of his heels, when you get out of his footsteps, and you begin to watch 
him go at a distance. When you begin to see him, but he gets further and further. When you remember the time that you were plugged in with his bride, the church, and I believe that that's the right way to interpret that. That's what Jesus is trying to say through Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. When you're connected with her and you're achieving his will for your life, you're walking in the steps that that God has ordered for you. You're doing everything like you're supposed to. Everything is well. But then all of a sudden, you just decide to slow down a little bit. Or you, beside, or you decide like Peter, I know what Jesus said, but I, there's, got, I, there's got to be a better way than what Jesus said. There's got to be a better way than just giving all and, and just giving everything up. That surely God doesn't expect me to just give everything up. Man, should I give before or after taxes? Well, God understands I got to give to Caesar first. Like that's what he said. He said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. No, whether I want to give everything or I want to hold something back. Do I want to follow him in every footstep that he establishes for me? Or do I just want to follow him at a distance? And then I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to follow Jesus just a little bit. He's getting a little bit farther away from me, but I can still see him. I follow him at a distance. And now wherever the church goes, I'm just going to sit back and watch what happens. And then I'll make my decision. It's too late. You waited too long. See, in my short tenure, Megan and I will celebrate our 10th anniversary this October, and I will turn my phone off, and you will not hear from me for a few days this October. You can put it on your calendar. Um, I won't know. If it happens, won't find out until I come back. Uh, Our 10th anniversary, and our anniversary really always aligns with when we began vocational ministry. So... Approximately a decade of either part-time or full-time ministry, not just serving in the church, but actually on staff at a church. I have seen a lot of people, man, fire out of the gates, man. They took off. I'm talking about just bones of blazing. But then, for whatever reason, person after person after person after person, you could even watch it happen. Just remember this Teenage young lady, I have a picture of her and Megan hugging one another at a youth rally, big youth conference, man. She had repented. She had shed all the tears. I mean, she confessed, and God had freed her and saved her. And and she and Megan are, you know, we thought, finally, this is, she realized she got it. And then, man, just three to six months later, she begins to follow Jesus at a distance. And, you know, now it's a testimony of, what not to do. Not that it's too late for her or anybody else, but man, just I've seen, I've seen some people since I've been here. A year and nine months we've been here. A year and nine months. I, there were some people who in the first three months we had this incredible breakout of repentance and revelation. And they would come and just cry and shed tears and confess and be prayed with and and they were going to get plugged in and and they were going to go through the process and and this time man this time is different I'm going to do it different this time I'm going to make it it's going to happen and I don't know I hadn't seen them I've even I've even tried to call some of them try to get in touch with them but what if something happened and, and when we start out eagerly, it always happens. And it will happen, unfortunately, it will happen with many people sitting right here in this room today. 
You will begin to follow Jesus. You'll get on fire for God. You'll start out eagerly, and then something will happen. You'll begin to follow him in a distance, and ultimately, you will deny that you ever even knew him. Wonder whether he even exists. But can I tell you some good news today, if I can just flip the page a little bit? Even though Peter's followed at a distance, and Peter did the one thing that he said he would never do, He still had a desire. It was still in him to be right with Jesus. And I actually, I have this image of Jesus. It's somewhere in one of the Gospels that, that Peter made eye contact with Jesus when the rooster crowed. That Jesus was in the courtyard, and, and you can see this picture. Peter's on the outside of the courtyard, and Jesus walks by right as Peter is confessing or rebuking him, and, and Jesus just looks up at Peter and then turns away and keeps walking. And Peter, the whole time, realizes in that instant, I did it. And he's broken. He runs off and he weeps bitterly. But can I tell you that I believe that Jesus in that moment was just getting ready for what he knew was going to take place Jesus made eyes with Peter. He locked eyes with Peter. And Jesus went and carried that cross. And it had Peter's name on it. Jesus went up the hill with Peter's cross on his back. Jesus laid down on Golgotha and Peter's spikes went through his wrist. He was buried in the same tomb that he told Peter I was going to have to go to. But three days later, Peter had the opportunity to see Jesus again. But watch where we find Peter. Even though he began to follow Jesus at a distance, he had forsaken Jesus now. Here's where we find Peter. John chapter 21, verse 3, Peter says, well, I blew it. I messed it up. Jesus is dead. Here's his answer. Here's his answer. You ready? I'm going fishing. That's what he says. I'm just going to go fishing. And that has been man's answer to controversy ever since. <laughs> I'm just going to go fishing. Well, here's what happened. The rest of them went with him. What did Peter do when he didn't know what to do anymore? When he thought, when he came to the place, oh, well, I've done it now. God, God can't forgive me. I tried this Jesus thing and it didn't work out. I tried this church thing and it didn't work out. I want you to notice, we do the same thing that Peter did. We just go right back to the things that we knew. The Bible says that he went back to what he knew. He fished and he did it all night. And the Bible says he caught nothing again. But then in verse 4, they hear a, ver they hear a voice on the shore. Hey, you catching anything? They respond, no. Been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. Throw your net on the other side. Just throw the net over here. And the miracle that made Peter realize he was the Son of God began to happen again. As the net filled up with fish, they pulled in more than they could contain. And John, the apostle, says, it's him. 
he's not dead. It's got to be him. And Peter, the one that had denied him to two little girls in front of everybody, takes his garments and dives in the water. (laughs) He starts swimming to the shore. You remember that time that Peter was walking on water as long as he looked at Jesus, but he stopped looking at Jesus, and then he started to drown? I'm telling you that when Jesus performs the same miracle again just to get your attention and make sure that you know that he still loves you, you'll dive in the midst of the junk that used to drown you, and you will swim right through it to get back to your Savior who's standing on the shore. Why did Jesus do the same miracle? Why did he do the same miracle again? Because Jesus knew that it would take that for Peter to come back to him. And he was willing to do whatever it took for Peter to come back. He's saying, listen, friend, I know what you did. And I care more about your tomorrow than I did your yesterday. I know you did the one thing you said you would never do. But here I am. So Peter gets to the bank. He comes up to Jesus, and then right there on the bank, Jesus has made breakfast. Where'd he get fish? Who cares? He's Jesus. (laughs) He's got two fish and bread over the fire. And the disciples come rowing in. They all get there, and and they're having breakfast. I'm talking about, man, can you imagine how good that was? Prepared by the hand of the resurrected king. And Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? Watch this. Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me more than any of the rest of these? Oh, come Jesus, man, you know, you know, I, I love you. I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Peter, I gotta ask you, I just I gotta ask you something real quick. I just need to know. I just want to know. Need you to confess it. Um, do you love me? Lord, you know that I love you. Three times he denied him, and yet three times he confessed him again. Did Jesus keep asking him the same question because Jesus needed to know the answer? No. He kept asking him the same question because Simon Peter needed to know the answer. He needed to know that I saw every time that you denied me. I saw when you did it in front of the servant girl. So I'm asking, do you love me? Tell me you love me. You know you love me. I saw you do it again in front of the other little servant girl. So I need you to confess again. Do you love me? Say that you love me. Feed my sheep. Now finally, Peter, I saw you tell everybody. So I'm just going to ask you one more time so that you can confirm in your spirit that you love me do you love me yes lord i love you in verse 18 i tell you the truth then peter when you were young you were able to do as you liked you dressed yourself you went wherever you wanted to go but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go verse 19 jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify god then jesus 
Jesus said, follow me. I know where you've been, but I don't care. I came so that you would have as many opportunities as possible between the birth and the death in this life that I just want you to answer the invitation to follow me. I want you to close the gap and follow me. Don't follow me at a distance. Don't follow me through somebody else. Close the gap. Get back in my footsteps. I'm laying it out for you. I will establish you when you walk in them. Close the gap and follow me. Jesus is saying to Simon Peter, I'm willing to start over. I'm willing to start over again. I'm willing to start over again. As many times as it takes, I will do whatever it takes to start over as long as you are willing to do it with me. Simon Peter, I know that it's, it's that mouth that denied me three times in front of everybody, but it's going to be the same mouth on the day of Pentecost that preaches and 3,000 people receive the gospel. It will be the same mouth that says to the man at the gate called beautiful, silver and gold, I have not but what I do have. Arise and walk in the name of Jesus. It will be the same mouth that stands before the Sanhedrin and prophesies and testifies and is told to stop or I'm going to put you to death but you can't you can't keep it in you're going to leave that place and it will be that mouth that walks by people that are on the side of the street and the shadow just begins to heal them it will be the ones that they line up and the ones that you see all in the sheet that are coming down it will be that mouth that denied me three times that will take the gospel to the Gentiles and some 33 year old preacher in Eunice, Louisiana will tell an entire congregation that what I've done once to help you realize it, I will do it again as long as you will realize that I am the Son of God, that I have a plan for your life, and I want you to follow me. Yeah, I know you denied me. I know you messed it up. I know you did the very thing that you said you would never do, but I never gave up on you. And I'm telling you, you can do it again. Close the gap. Follow me. Jesus, right now, I pray that you would help us. I believe that you love us more than we could ever deny you. I pray that if there's anybody in the room right now that is not following you, or is only following you at a distance. May they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and answer the call to repent and follow you again. If you're in the room today and you've never received salvation, You've just been kind of living your life on your own and doing your own thing. And yet you've heard a message of the gospel today about a Savior that loves you more than you could ever even love yourself. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to give you a new life. But you have to receive it. Turn from your ways and follow Him. If that's you for the first time today, if I'm talking to you, we're going to pray a prayer in just a minute. And if you want to be included in that prayer, 
young to elderly and everybody in between. If I'm talking to you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I need to receive Jesus today. I need to receive salvation. Now, let me ask you another question, church. If you've been following him, but you've only been following him at a distance. Maybe you're drifting back into your former lifestyle. It's beginning to wear on you. You don't have the same eager excitement that you once had. And today you want to rejuvenate that. You want to reconcile that. You want Jesus to restore that. And you want to recommit to follow him. Not just follow him at a distance. But follow right behind him in every footstep that he has ordered for your life. If I'm talking to you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to recommit. I, know I want to fully dedicate, maybe rededicate. I want to get right behind Jesus and take every step that he's taken, every one that he's planned for me. I want to walk in it. Church, would you, right where you are, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, we believe that salvation doesn't just come from a raising of hand, but, but confessing Jesus as Lord. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can be forgiven, you can be saved, and you can be buried with Christ in baptism, and you can rise to walk in the newness of life that he has for you. So I want you to pray this prayer with all of your heart. Jesus, forgive me for not following you, for doing things my way. Take my life. Make it yours. Save me from all my enemies, especially myself. Help me to follow you with all of my heart for the rest of my life. Use me to build your kingdom and to do your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you believe that that prayer is still getting to the throne room of heaven, I want you to stand all over the room today. I want you to meet somebody that you don't know before you leave this place today. I know that was a little bit heavy, but I don't want you to walk out of here with the heaviness of the message. I want you to walk out of here with the inspiration of the message to go and do what God has called you to do, to follow Jesus with all of your heart. Never look back, never look around. Just fix your eyes on on him and accomplish what he's called you to. Hey, whatever that is, if it's next steps today, then do it. If it's baptism next week, then do it. If it's a small group that you've only kind of been attending, then, then get involved. If he's been talking to you about serve day, whatever it is that we have to offer, get plugged in. Whatever it is for you personally that he's been speaking to you, go do something different. Follow him close. Close the gap and do it today.